1: And God, as if he were just sitting in the passenger seat, so loudly said, the end of your marriage is not the end of you. It might be the end of that relationship and the end of that season of your life, but you are still here. I have still given you life. You still have a purpose and children and friends and wonderful things. You have hobbies and talents and gifts and things that you're going to do and I'm going to do through you. It's not the end of you.
0: Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. You know, here on the No More Perfect Podcast, we are all about healthy relationships. Mark and I have committed our lives to helping marriages in crisis. In fact, we often have a front row seat at watching God work in those marriages. But the reality is, not all marriages make it. I mean, some people are suffering in a long separation. Some end up with an ending of divorce. It takes two people to make a marriage and just one to make divorce happen. And I'll tell you, whether that is something that you've experienced personally or it's something that a loved one around you, a friend around you has experienced, you need to stay tuned in to this episode. Because we're going to dig in to what happens to your heart when divorce becomes a part of your story. And even if divorce isn't a part of your story, you need to know what's happening in the heart of the person that you love that's walking through divorce. We're going to talk about What does life look like now when the future is unsure? Where is God in all of this? And how can I help someone who is walking through an unwanted divorce? These are the questions that we're going to be tackling today. My guest is Tracy Miles, and she is the author of several books, including Living Unbroken, Reclaiming Your Life and Your Heart After Divorce. Tracy is the director of Compel Writers Training at Proverbs 31. She has three grown children and lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast. Tracy. Thank you, Jill. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Well, you know, this has really been on my heart to be able to tackle this topic. And when I got a copy of your newest book, I went, okay. This is the best way that I can tackle it because I don't have personal experience in this, but I really want to have a conversation about it because I know that not everybody ends up with a happily ever after ending. So thank you for sharing your story.
1: Oh, thank you. It's always amazing to see God use something very painful for a purpose that glorifies Him and helps other people. So I would agree with that. It's not easy, though, to share our stories.
0: I mean, I'm a big proponent of sharing stories. What is it that really compelled you to decide to share this particular part of your story?
1: Well, it's not something I would have ever imagined myself doing. First, I never imagined myself being part of a divorce statistic, which is kind of how I felt in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But over a process, I had to end up having to write two books right after uh, my separation happened because I was under contract. So as hard as that was, in looking back, I can see it was really God's healing process because it allowed me just to pour words on paper Mm -hmm. and really just keep a close eye on what He was doing in my life and my heart. And as I began to write it out and just see how God was walking me through this really painful, difficult journey and all the things that I saw online, like on Facebook groups that I'm in and read, I just could see such a need for women to know that they're not alone Mm -hmm. and that there was a resource to turn to. And I had trouble finding resources that were Christian-based, that would not just tackle the financial, legal navigation type things, but just a, a girlfriend, spiritual—you know—you can get out of bed one more day type of book to keep me going. And so God just really laid it on my heart. Once He got me to a certain point, to to want to be that person for those women that are still in that journey. Yeah. Yeah, I—I I mean, I've already gifted your book to at
0: least five different women, so I'm—I am so grateful that it is out there and it's available. So ab- absolutely, you. you know, um, w- I read somewhere that you were writing a-, a book titled "Unsinkable Faith" when you were yes. So that was one of the books. So mm-hmm. wow, I mean talk about an appropriate
1: topic, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because my faith was sinking and i it's, it doesn't matter how many times, how many years you've been to church or how strong your faith is when you hit a wall like that and your life just gets turned upside down and you, you can't help but question, well, God, why didn't you protect my marriage and listen to my prayers? And why do they get the blessing of a happy marriage? And I don't. And what about my family? And you know, you're know, you just filled with so many things and so many problems that you do feel like your faith is sinking. And ironically, that book is all about positive thinking, which I'm like, Lord, this is not a season of life where I'm feeling anything positive. Nothing positive is happening. Right. But that that's what I was referring to as I had to stay, I had to walk out what I was writing about. It, I was, it wasn't written from a place of victory. It wasn't written from, okay, here's how you do this. It was, here's what I'm having to do every day just to keep from sinking. Yeah. And it really was a game changer for me just to realize that we, we have a choice. We can wake up in the morning and be negative. Woe is me. Life is over. Doom and gloom. Or we we can wake up and say, I did wake up this morning, and it's going to be a beautiful day, and God's here, and He's got this, and just continually changing our Our habit patterns like that will send your life in a different direction. And so that that was truly, I think, what kept me afloat, (laughs) no pun intended, but was to be writing that book about optimism. Right, right. Well, and it, I
0: mean, really, uh, is that what the Bible talks about taking our thoughts captive? I mean, is that? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean, we really do have to learn in those dark, hard seasons how to take our thoughts captive and to actually push them in a different direction, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Yes, because it's so easy. We live in a negative world. Negative things happen. It's so easy to constantly think negatively. That's much easier than forcing ourselves to capture that thought and say, Oh, today's going to be a terrible day because of this. Instead, we can say, No, I'm not going to think that way. Instead, I'm going to rephrase it. I'm going to say, Today's going to be a good day because of this, because there are good things in every day. We still have tons of blessings. So we can choose to spend all of our time mourning the blessings that we lost.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Or we can spend all of our time praising God for the blessings that we still have. And it's a choice we have to make every day, especially when you're in a pit. And it seems like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Yes,
0: so true. So one of the things that you talk about is that you talk about that the journey isn't easy, but it
1: does get easier. What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Well, we've all heard the term that time heals. Mm-hmm. And it does. I mean, it, time doesn't make you forget, but it does heal the pain. And it, as you continue, one thing that was so helpful to me, and I know so many, is just seeing the miracles, because I was doing a lot of journaling. Mm-hmm. I talk about that and living in broken and just seeing what God was doing, that I would have a financial need that was met time and time and time again in different ways. Or something miraculous happened with my mortgage company that even the mortgage company said, this has never happened to anyone before in the history of this company. So I don't know how you got approved for this, you know, program to get things, you know, back on track. So just people that he brought into my life and situations with my children and so many miracles that I could see going on. And that helps your heart heal too because you know that God's not forgotten you, He's not abandoned you. Maybe your spouse did, but God would never do that. Mm. And you know, anything over time, as you as you learn to deal with it and process it and figure out how life is going to still go on, it, it will get better. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yes. I, I absolutely see that and have experienced that as well. Um, it doesn't, like you said, it, the memories are still there, um, but it, you're not as triggered over time. And that pain, right. that pain begins to decrease in your heart. And I think the longer we walk that out with Jesus and we see that we can trust him, um, that also helps us to navigate the pain.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree.
0: So I was, I once read on, I think it was on your Instagram account, you talked about the fact that divorce, you likened it to the death of. Uh, a death that doesn't have a funeral. And Mm -hmm. that was a really powerful, um, that was a really powerful picture for me when I read that. And I was really thinking about um, just what grief looks like in divorce. So talk about that. Talk about the fact that death, that it is a death, but it doesn't have that funeral. And then what, are the normal parts of grief for somebody that's walking through divorce?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it is a death. It's a death of so many things. And just like you said, it's a death without a funeral, but it's a death that doesn't come with people bringing casseroles or sending cards or treating it as if, as if you've suffered this huge life-changing loss of a person that you've spent your life with or even just a few years. It's still such a it's a tragedy. That's not recognized as much of a tragedy because a tragedy because it's so common in today's Mm. society, but that doesn't make it any less painful. But you've not only lost your spouse and you've lost your family unit, you've lost in laws, you've lost friendships that you may have had for years, financial stability, your dreams and your visions for the future. It's a death of all of those things. And so, As I began to process that in my own life and and writing the book, Living Unbroken, which I'd already written, Unsinkable Faith and Love Life Again. So that helped lead up to this book. And several years down the road, I could look back and see as I studied more about this process of grieving, which essentially has been shown through scientific studies to be five stages that I had gone through every single one. (laughs) So it's, um, I'll see if I can remember them right off the top of my head, but it's, you know denial. And anger and bargaining, and then depression, and then acceptance. And the acceptance stage is where we want to be. It doesn't mean, okay, I accept what this person did, or I accept what I did that destroyed the marriage, or I just accept this whole situation. I accept that God had this plan for my life. It doesn't mean we have to love the way that things are, but it does mean at some point we have to accept that this happened and this is the life god has me in right now and i can choose to enjoy it and love it and live the live the biggest best life that i can or i can stay stuck in a chapter of my life that's broken and is bringing me pain and discouragement so you kind of waffle back and forth between those stages mm-hmm. it's not just you start at point a and get to point you know e you want to go through those at your own pace god puts no timetable on our grief and, um, but it truly is a grieving process. And I think it's so important for women to realize it's okay to be angry at yourself, at your spouse, even at God, mm-hmm. but it's not okay to stay there. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the phases that we're going to pass through. We have human emotions and we can't just discount those. You have to live out each of those. Stages, but at some point, God does get us to the point where we feel healed. We feel more whole. We realize we can be a person. We can be a single woman and still serve the Lord and love the Lord and do good things and raise our kids and, you know, have jobs and enjoy our lives. And it doesn't have to, our our entire identity doesn't have to be based on our marital status. And that's one thing that God really had to work on my heart Mm -hmm. in, in the very beginning stages because I have. Lots of identity crisis, like, who am I now when mm-hmm. when this has happened? What is my life? Right. And I think that's something a lot of women struggle with. Right,
0: right. So let's talk about that anger piece for a little bit, because I think that we have this perspective that it's not okay as Christians to be angry. And that's not what God says. Talk about mm-hmm. that just a little bit. What, what does He What does he say about anger? But more importantly, what do we do with it so
1: that we don't let it control us? Right. Well the, the primary verse that people think of when they think about anger is where it says, Don't go to bed, don't go to bed angry, don't let the sun set, you know, on an angry heart. And that that's definitely would be our goal. Yeah. However, anger is a normal human emotion. And especially when you have been wronged and you've been betrayed or lied to or hurt in you know a terrible way. Anger is going to be one of the stages that we're going to go through, regardless of your circumstance, whether it's separation and divorce or something entirely different, Mm -hmm. we're going to have those emotions. So it's just a matter of staying grounded in faith. God knows our hearts. So even if we don't express, I'm so angry at you, God, I'm so mad that you let this happen in my life. And I'm so mad at this person, just the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy that he has for us. Mm is going to be what gets us through that. It's okay to have those feelings, but we don't want to let that anger go on for so long that we become bitter and resentful and negative, and then that changes who we are. Yeah. So he tells us that so that it doesn't impact us from the inside out, not just because it's so-called wrong mm-hmm. biblically, but because it's not going to have a positive impact on our hearts and our life and our faith walk and our future. Right. So, it's in our benefit to deal with the anger, acknowledge it, talk to God about it, and help Him to help Him ask Him to help us forgive the wrong and have peace in our hearts, even if we don't feel that person deserves forgiveness. You know, Jesus died on the cross for everyone. And so, we have to decide am I going to let what one person did completely negatively impact my life and make me a different person, a bitter, negative person, or am I going to let that? be God's job mm-hmm. to deal with that situation and that person and their story and use me in a good way and mm-hmm. change my heart in a good way. And so that's not easy, No, <laughs> but it is, it is another one of those things about capturing your thoughts. And every time you start letting it just start thinking those thoughts that make your blood boil, just immediately learning to stop yourself and say, Today I'm not going to think that way. Today I'm going to focus on this, or I'm, or or God, right now in this minute, please help me deal with this anger and and stop thinking these thoughts because we can get so trapped in them Mm -hmm. that it prevents us from moving forward at all. And so that's not what we want to do,
0: right? Well, and anger clutters our heart, doesn't it? Like it just, Mm -hmm. it almost, um, it becomes, it can harden our heart if we. If we don't deal with it, like we want to, we want to recognize it's there, but if we don't deal with it and we don't bring resolve to it with, um, forgiveness, as you said, and acceptance, then, um, then our heart will just be all tangled up and then it's not available Mm -hmm. to God. And, and we don't want that. So, right. That's so true. And I think, you know, oftentimes people really struggle with the concept of forgiveness and boy, um, you know, when I, I can only imagine, I know what forgiveness was like for me walking through a marriage crisis and a spouse that was unfaithful and, and it, it was layers of forgiveness. it's there's not just once and done, so I can only imagine that it would be very similar in marriage that there are layers of
1: forgiveness. Would that be correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, especially when things continue to happen, mm-hmm. and you're asking God, okay, help me forgive this wrongdoing or help me forgive you know the unfaithfulness or the you know whatever else has happened and then you're working on that. And you're working on yourself, and suddenly you get just punched in the face by something else. Then you're like, "Okay, Lord, well, I'm trying to forgive," and then this happens, and now you want me to forgive that too. <laughs> so, it is an ongoing process. It's it's definitely not a one and done, mm-hmm.
0: right? But I think a lot of times that we feel like forgiveness is something that needs to happen between us and another person, but it's really between us and God, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. That that's exactly what I think because. Forgiveness frees us. And we've all heard this cliche, and this is what I remember about you can't, if you're drinking the poison and then you expect yes. someone else to perish. Yes. <laughs> so that's really what I had to deal with within my own self is yes, maybe they don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe they're not even sorry or don't see the damage that they've done. But I don't want to drink that poison and let it affect me every single day. You know, I want to be happy and love the life that God has me in right now. So it's definitely, definitely a self inflicting thing if we hang on to that bitterness rather than, you know, allow God to, to free us from Mm -hmm. being held hostage by unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely.
0: You know, I can only imagine, um, because I did experience, um, this in, uh, you know, my husband and I were separated for four months and I wasn't sure how that was going to end up. Um, but there was so much fear, like financial fear, fear of the future, um, I mean, it was just some of those fears were very overwhelming at times. So how how does a woman that is walking through the unknown? You know, that's really that's what divorce is. It is a journey of mm-hmm. the unknown. So how can she walk through that journey? How can she walk through the unknown and um, not let the fear take over? and steal her joy
1: i think the very first thing to do and this is this is where my turn, turning point really started was to re- recognize what those fears are doing to you. And I have one story in the book where I wrote down that I had been praying for months. Lord, why can't I just shake this? Why can't I stop crying? Why can't I stop feeling depressed and, and afraid? And what's happening? And then that word afraid and fear came to mind. And I just sat down and I started writing in my journal all the fears that I had on my heart that day. And I stopped at 33,
0: Wow, 33
1: fears. I mean, within just a few minutes, I mean, a very short, I didn't have to sit and ponder about that for an hour. <laughs> this just flew off the fingertips onto my computer where I keep my little journal just within minutes. And it was just an eye opener for me that fear was controlling my life and financial and the future were the two biggest ones. And I actually did a word search in my journal, which now has about 150,000 words, in it, <laughs> but for the word future, and it came up dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times. And so I was so afraid of what the future held because it is so unknown. How am I going to pay the bills? i would worked, I've been a stay at home mom for 15 years doing corporate training and writing and speaking, but it was all supplemental. Yeah. And now I was 100% responsible and it was just unfathomable to, to be able to maintain our standard of living, to keep the house payment paid, to keep my kids in college all on my own. And it was an overwhelming burden and fear to worry. I was just consumed with worry and fear. And then someone, someone would say, you know, don't worry about that. Or what are you afraid of? And then you just want to like kick them in the shin because <laughs> I'm afraid of these 8,000 things. And they're, and it's rightly so, because we we don't know what's going to happen, but just trusting even asking yourself, like, what are some of the miracles that God has done for me prior to this happening? What are the things that I am I can see He's done in my life and how He's used a difficult situation for good? And just hang on to that, mm-hmm. like, just as your life raft that, okay, He did that then. He's going to do that now. Yes. He promises to take care of us. He promises to meet our needs. He promises in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that we have. He has a great future and a, a purpose and a hope for all of us. So, it's those little things that we tend to let go of the grasp because we're we're so worried and we're so anxious and fearful yes. and sad. Yes. But just remembering that um, we can turn those fears over to God, and that's what I did that day. I said, Lord, please just eliminate those fears and this sounds like a fairy tale but it actually did happen that <laughs> after a few days I, I remember waking up one morning and I the sun was shining and I thought oh this is such a good day and I went somewhere I got my car I'll sing it on my radio and it just hit me all of a sudden gosh, I feel this sense of peace and joy that I haven't felt in so long. And it makes me just tear up thinking about that right now because I actually forgot about that until we're just (laughs) now talking about it. But I just remember having that feeling driving down the road that this is what it feels like to have peace and joy. And all of those concerns and fears and financial problems, they didn't go away. They were still there. But God had filled me with this peace that honestly surpassed understanding. Mm. And so I've just tried to maintain that every day. Every time something happens and I'm, okay, what am I going to do about this? Oh my gosh, here's another problem. Just turn it over to the Lord, ask him to take that fear away and put it in his hands and just trust that he will take care of us and meet our needs. He does not leave our side. Yes.
0: Well, and it sounds like what really what you did in that moment is you surrendered. Like it's yes. almost like you were holding on so tight and your knuckles were white and you just kind of opened your hands up and, mm-hmm. and you surrendered. And then you experienced that peace from that surrender and that's powerful. right? Mm-hmm. So powerful. So true. So one of the things that you say in the book, and I love this statement is you say the end of your marriage is not the end of you. And Mm -hmm. this is so important because I think so many women who are walking out a story that they did not anticipate would be their story. Um, They are seeing Mm -hmm. the end of a marriage and they are feeling like it's the end of themselves. So uh, speak to that. Tell us a little bit about what that journey was like for you to get to believe
1: that statement. Well, that statement was a definite God-divine moment. It was not even a statement I came up with on my own. But I remember and I share this kind of at length in the book, but I had gone to a doctor's appointment many months into my separation, and I was it was just a standard appointment, you know, annual checkup, checking off all the forms, address, phone number, blah, blah, blah. And then it came to marital status. And I had to check one of those boxes and I didn't fit into any of those boxes. Was I single? Not really. Cause I was still officially married, although separated for quite a while. Was I divorced? No. Was I widowed? No, but it felt like I was widowed because I felt like, you know, I had definitely lost my spouse. And so I just didn't fit. And I literally had a meltdown right there in the doctor's (laughs) office, drawing the attention of everyone around me. But it was just like hit me like a freight train that, okay, who are you? Like, where do you fit in? And so I managed to get through that doctor's appointment. I was driving home just kind of in a daze and still floundering with what what I had just kind of discovered is that I don't know who I am anymore. And God, as if he were just sitting in the passenger seat, so loudly said, the end of your marriage is not the end of you. It might be the end of that relationship and the end of that season of your life but you are still here. I have still given you life. You still have a purpose and children and friends and wonderful things. You have hobbies and talents and gifts and things that you're going to do and I'm going to do through you. It's not the end of you. And that was just another one of those turning points that I won't that I won't, you know, likely forget yes. because it really was. I, I really believe that God impressed that upon my heart so loudly that it's a good thing I didn't have a wreck. <laughs> but that's great. It was just it was it was very 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 abrupt and loud, and so I know it was from God.
0: Mm. I'm guessing that there are some people listening that need to write that statement down and post it everywhere that they can: bathroom mm-hmm. mirror, refrigerator. In your car, I mean, wherever you can see that, I think that there's that's that is really powerful and much needed, and really will help battle hopelessness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have an. Um- a graphic that I've used on my Instagram and Facebook pages with that phrase. And so, and it's really pretty. So they can just go and print that off and post it everywhere in their house. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. That's great. I love that. So let's talk a little bit
0: about the importance of community And what happens, and what does a woman who is going through the end of her marriage, um, navigating this, what does she need from her community? How can she engage her community? Um, You know, I I think that at this time, sometimes shame can come in and cause us to want to hide. And that's Mm -hmm. the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. So uh, what does a woman need to do? to engage community as she's walking through something difficult like this?
1: Well, I think the first tip of advice would be to force yourself to do what you don't feel like doing. Mm. Because just as you said, what you want to do is hide in your house, whether you made the mistake or your spouse made the mistake, regardless of the reason. Um, you know, you just want to hide away. You don't want people to ask questions. I know I even stopped going to church because I didn't want anyone to say, oh, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? I'm so sorry that happened because then I would have an epic meltdown (laughs) then and there. And I just didn't want to be faced with those questions or the judgment that people may not even be doing, but you're perceiving it that way. Mm. So you tend to, to want to isolate yourself. And I did that for many, many months, but that's really going to keep us Stuck in loneliness and isolation, and stuck in fear that we can't, we don't fit in anywhere and we're not going to be accepted, or God can't use us, or He's ashamed of us. There's so many things, self condemning things that we tell ourselves. So, just forcing yourself not to do that would be tip number one. And I know that, you know, most of us have family members that are supportive and hopefully, if not that, a few friends that are supportive, but just having those prayer warriors that We'll just send you a text and say, you, you can do this today. Here's a verse for you that came across as I was praying for you, or you want to get some coffee, let's go talk about the weather, you know, or, <laughs> or go to a ball game, <laughs> go ride a bike, go hike a mountain if that's something you have wanted to do and you haven't done in quite a while. So really, you, it's a time to start focusing on ourselves, mm-hmm. doing the things that we love, even when we'd rather stay curled up in a fetal position mm-hmm. in our dark bedroom, yeah. force yourself to get up. Go be around people, go sit in a coffee shop, call a friend, because you just don't realize that how life-giving it is. And we can't, we're gonna sit here and be filled with our own thoughts if we don't have some kind of conversation and community with other people. And staying stuck in our negative thoughts is not ever going to get us anywhere good. Mm -mm,
0: No. And really that's I think that's where spiritual warfare really comes in because the enemy wants to isolate us. And, mm-hmm. and if he, yeah. he can isolate us, then he can whisper lies, and those lies become um, even bigger because we we're just so focused on on those lies in that moment, and so we've got mm-hmm. to. Get ourselves into community. I mean, Jesus modeled community for us. He said, "This is yeah. what we need to do: is we need to live life with each other." So, I love, I love mm-hmm. what you said. Make yourself do something that you don't feel like doing. Yeah.
1: And just regarding community, when I, I actually went to some divorce support. Well, actually, just a, not not very many, just a couple. When I was, because I thought, well, maybe I just need to be around a support group, mm-hmm. but. That didn't quite work out for me because there were men and women in the group Mm -hmm. and it was a very structured, regimented program and everyone was crying and it just somehow made me feel worse, but I needed that sense of support. I needed to be with women that got me, that weren't just trying to encourage me, but had actually walked in my shoes. And so that's really where the Living Unbroken I mean, I shared parts of my story and the other two, we've talked about the unseekable faith and love life again, but living unbroken is specifically for that woman who is walking those shoes that I'm still walking in today Mm -hmm. and just needs that encouragement. But I'm very excited. I tell you this because I'm really excited that in the spring, I'm going to be releasing a video curriculum series for living unbroken and a, a leader's guide and a participant guide. So this is going to be divorce support groups for women, by women. And it's just all about the heart. Oh, and I
0: love that.
1: I'm just really excited to see how God might use that. And I hope it can get in lots of churches around the country because there's literally nowhere to turn to. Um, and so, you know, it's really hard to find somewhere to turn to where you can find a group of women that so understand you that their level of compassion and encouragement and wisdom yes. far surpasses anyone that has the hugest heart to support you that hasn't been through that. So I just really feel that that's important and I'm excited to see yes. how that turns out.
0: Well, I, I'm a firm believer that there's it, there, it's very powerful to be with other women who understand what your life is like. And mm-hmm. that's really, you're fostering a community with this, um, what you'll be releasing what in the spring of 2022? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be yep. fostering a community of women that will understand what each other's lives are like and, and yet yep. have a foundation of faith that will help. Uh, they'll stand upon that foundation of faith as they encourage one another. Right. So powerful. Yeah, That's my prayer. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I, I love that. Well, one of the things that you talk about at the end of each chapter in the book is you have these happiness prompters and these healing steps. So why did you end the chapter with these happiness prompters and healing steps? What are they and why are they important for women to understand?
1: Well, one thing I've realized just for myself is I can read books, and I'm a big. I don't read as much now, just due to time's sake. But I've always been a big reader. I have a huge library of Christian nonfiction books that I've just accumulated over the years, and I've read so many that were so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to remember that forever. But then a week goes by, two (laughs) weeks, and you just totally forgot anything that you read because, I think, because you didn't take any action on what you read. So what I wanted to do was give women, this is your call to action. Don't just flip the page and turn over and read the next chapter, but pause and stop. And the happiness prompters are just simple little things that could be go have coffee with a friend or go buy a new outfit or go outside and smell the gardenia bush that just bloomed. Anything that's going to bring you a little bit of happiness and peace, Mm. then go do that one thing, even if it only takes five minutes. And the healing steps were also uh, like caring for you, caring for yourself. So it's just simple things that are not rocket science, but that we generally, especially when you're in just really a pit of depression or worry and anxiety, you don't think to stop and think about you. You're just focused on, I have to fix this problem. I have to help my children heal. I have to deal with my family who's mourning over this. We're so busy taking care of everyone else and all the things and responsibilities that we totally forget to take care of ourselves. And that's so important to really over time, not only reclaim your joy and your happiness and watch God work miracles and all the problems that you're having, but it's just important to put into action what you've read. Yes. Yes. Well, let's go back to community for a moment
0: because a thought that just came to my mind as you were just sharing that is how can someone help a friend going through a divorce? Like Mm -hmm. that, uh, those happiness prompters, um, is that a way that if I have a friend going through a divorce, I could be helpful to her. When you look back, what was most helpful to you that your community did for you or that your friends did for you or a single friend did for you? Can Is there anything that you mm-hmm. can give us wisdom on for those of us that are walking through um,
1: the, the divorce journey with a friend of ours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's two things that I would speak into that. The first one is, this book is written for women and, and men. I've had a lot of men that have read it also that are going through separation and divorce. But so many people who are walking beside someone, a good friend that's going through that, this book would be beneficial for them. Okay. And that's one thing my publisher has said also. She said, this is not just for people in that pit, it's for people who are walking along beside holding the hands of people in that pit mm. because they can't possibly understand what they're really going through. No matter how close you are, no matter how much information you share, if you haven't walked it, you're not going to understand it completely. So it's a great resource for someone to really just get, just peel back the curtain of, okay, what is in this person's head and heart? What are they really dealing with that I can't see because I'm not actually dealing with it. I'm just watching them deal with it. Yes, So I think it can be very eye-opening for someone that has a loved one or a friend and they're trying to figure out how do I best support and encourage them. So that's number one. Number two is there were several things that people said to me that were very hurtful and they didn't really intend it that way. Mm-hmm. But it it comes across that way when you're when you're the one that's dealing with the situation. But right. you know, I did have some friends that decided that just kind of vanished, that I'd been friends with for 30 years. So, but I also had a lot of awesome friends that would walk me through thick and thin. So you have to be so thankful for the ones that you know who are your true friends. And I had one friend say, well, my husband said, if you're single, I can't really hang out with you anymore. So well, that goodness. was rather hurtful. Oh my. <laughs> We've been friends for many years and she kind of said it jokingly, but it just was like a stab in the heart because it's not my fault I'm single. This is not where I want it to be, but I'm still the same person right. and the same friend and I've had lots of women say, people would say, just get over it. He he, or she didn't, they didn't deserve you anyway, or you don't deserve to live in that lifestyle. So just get over it and move on. Or, you know, there, there's so many cliches that yes. people say, yeah. the same things as if someone had had a loss to a death of someone in their family, mm-hmm. an actual, you know, death or tragedy. You can't just say, okay, it's going to be fine. God has a reason for mm-hmm. it or all the reasons that we, the things that we know people often say. Those are the things that are not going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. What is going to be helpful is I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to vent complain and cry, then you do it. And you know, I'm going to pray for you and support you. And we can go talk about the weather if you want to, but just be there for them Mm -hmm. and realize that the person is still the same person they were before they, their marriage ended or whatever happened. And they need even more love and friendship and support. Than before and also in the church there's not really that's another reason I kind of stopped going at the time was because I didn't want to go to the singles class because they were all young people didn't want to go to the widowed class because they were most of them were older and not my age. Plus, I wasn't a widow, so I hadn't exactly walked their path. And there was just, couldn't go to my couple's Sunday school class anymore. There just was nowhere mm. to really go. And I, that's, that's one reason I just have had a passion for these studies that are coming out in, I believe, in February mm-hmm. 2022, because I want to provide a place for women to know that they can go, mm. that they fit in. And so just for someone to invite you out to dinner yeah. with a group of friends, even if it's a group of couples, you may say no, you may not want to, but just to know I'm still wanted there Yeah. and I don't need to be ashamed and they're not going to ostracize me just because I don't have a spouse anymore. That's so, so important. Yes. You know, there are two things that uh, come to my mind
0: when I was navigating our separation. One is I had a friend that would call me when she was at the grocery store and she would say, Hey, I'm at Meyer right now what do you need and mm-hmm. that was gold to me because like what you were saying earlier Tracy I I would I was I just didn't want to be around people because I didn't want to run into somebody even at the grocery store and go you know the, and for them to say how are you because that's a loaded question for someone that's walking through <laughs> you know in fact I remember one time I was checking out at the dentist office one of my sons was had had his teeth cleaned and I was paying and and this person that was checking us out knew what had been going on. And she said, Jill, I'm just so sorry. And I just remember right there at the checkout at the dentist office. I am a wreck. I am, I, I you mm-hmm. know, I can't even like write the check to to pay for it. So that friend that would go to the grocery store for me. um you know, was, it was such a gift because it kept me out of those places um, that I might, you know, run into someone. The second thing that comes to my mind is going to church was hard for me because suddenly I was sitting alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so even inviting someone to sit with you, that yes. is suddenly alone can be a beautiful gift.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Oh, this has been a good conversation. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Here's a question I want to close with. And then if you're okay, uh, I'd love for you to pray if you're okay uh, praying for those that are listening. But um, if you could just say one thing to encourage someone who's listening today and struggling with their uh, unexpected reality, uh, divorce is on the horizon, or it's already happened, or they're dealing with separation.
1: What would you tell them? Probably just what you said in the very beginning: is that this it's not going to be easy, but it will get easier, mm-hmm. and there you you can have a beautiful future and happiness and joy again. You think you never will, mm-hmm. you think it's not possible, but you will mm-hmm. and you can. So just hang on to that faith and trust that God's got an even better thing, an even better chapter of your life than you could imagine in store for you. I love that. So for today, they can
0: borrow your hope because uh, (laughs) you are in the future and you are living that out. Yes. Would you pray for our listeners?
1: I will. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be with Jill today and talk about this really difficult subject, but my prayer is this, that it gives women hope that they they are going to make it, and there's going to be those terrible days when they feel like they're all alone, Lord, and that nothing can ever be right again, and those are the days that they need you the most. So I just ask you to cover, mm-hmm. cover them with your hands and your peace and just fill them with the joy that... They cannot find on their own as they open their eyes and look around at their circumstances, Lord. But just help them to trust you and let them see just glimpses of you at work in their life and and your presence. Let them feel your provision and just a security with you, Lord. Let them know that you have got their children's hearts. If there are children involved, that you're also holding their hearts close and that you can only be the mom that you can be and that you are a good enough mom. And that God has called you to be the mom to those kids, even though he knew that this would be a hard situation for you and for them to walk through. So just help them to have all of those things that you promised, Lord, hope and joy and peace. And just embrace that their future is going to be good, even though it doesn't look good right now. And that you can use all things for a purpose, even if it's just for our own faith walk, Lord. And we ask all of this in your name, Lord. Give them joy. Give them friends and community and family and people that understand them and will go to the grocery store or invite them to church or just hang out with them in the front yard. Let them know that they are loved and needed. Yes, Lord. We ask all of this in your name, sweet Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have 3 free ebooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org/free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org/podcast. See you next week for another not perfect but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.